0: Hello everyone and welcome to Shot First Shot, a film and television podcast which we talk about a theme which changes from episode to episode. I'm Edwin Davis and joining me this week through the miracle of satellite technology is
1: Matt Risby. Hi Matt, how's it going? Hey man, I am good. I am a l- avid Listeners will remember just a few months ago, uh, the trauma of uh, me being attacked by uh, a local dog. Mm. A, a kind of a story that, you know, I, I don't want to relive for kind of various reasons. Yeah, the tabloids have had their way with it so much. They've like... had their fill. They've had their it. <laughs> but uh, two days ago, I, I got my own dog, uh, mm. who thus far has not bitten me. She has uh, sniffed and licked a little bit of my like like peanut butter off my hand. Um, Which it was consensual. It was fine. I was into it. But yeah, um, I've kind of uh, become a responsible adult um, by um, taking care of a dog. Which, for someone who's never owned an animal before, it's quite scary. I don't really know what I'm doing. Mm. Yeah, but of the things that you can kind
0: of look after, I think dogs are kind of one of the the nicer ones. As someone who's had dogs and cats, like Mm. they're both great in their own ways. But like dogs, it's quite nice to kind of come home and have a thing that just kind of like runs up to you and like wants attention and affection as opposed to a thing that you basically ignores you and doesn't seem to care if you live or die. Like mm. there's a there's kind of like a stark contrast there between them. Like uh but but you know, cats can be very affectionate. They can be on their terms. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's a very it's a very one sided relationship with a cat. Whereas I think dogs it's kind of more more reciprocal and Yeah, once they build up their confidence and are able to kind of go out into the world and run around and play, uh, yes, uh, it's kind of wonderful. Nothing like it.
1: Mm, Yeah, we'll get to see how that goes. She's also a retired greyhound, so if it doesn't work out, I'll like join her into the kind of underground dog racing ring although Mm, i I found out you you get given like all the details and i found out her record i mean this is not interesting to anyone um (laughs) but um yeah she had 18 races one three second in two and apparently that's not good enough to be a retired like an actual like racing greyhound that's poor apparently i think she was trying her bloody best Mm, it's more than i've won (laughs) exactly ed exactly anyway what's going on in the world of stuff
0: Well, I think, uh, you know, most people who listen to the show uh, regularly will know that we usually have a very strict structure, you know, it's all very carefully planned out, you know, the show is kind of, every episode is very much built upon like one of Dan Harmon's story circles, Mm -hmm. Uh, everyone, people can clearly mark out, they'll say, okay, here's what the call to adventure, refusal of the goddess or whatever the fuck they're all called. (laughs) Um, But uh, this week, we're kind of having a little bit more amorphous thing because we realised that... The news stories this week are all kind of tied into what our main topic was going to be, which is kind of like the state of of streaming as a delivery source for for movies and TV. You know, one that people are increasingly increasingly makes up kind of people's main uh, avenue for experiencing movies and TV shows. And this week there were stories, big and small, that all kind of inform that discussion so it kind of made sense for us to kind of bundle it all together so the news and the main topic this week are all kind of related the first of which and we'll kind of go up in in kind of scale the first which was the release of guava island the film by Hiro Murai, written by Stephen Glover, starring Donald Glover, the 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 brain trust of people basically behind Atlanta and the This Is America video and, and a lot of the work that Donald Glover as Childish Gambino has been doing over the last couple of years, which released on Saturday on Amazon Prime to tie into Childish Gambino's Coachella set. And you know, there's a there was a good piece in I think it was GQ, maybe Esquire, where they talked to some of the people who are part of donald glover's team who are known as royalty basically the people who are all part of like the brain trust that makes all of the stuff that he is involved with in which they talked about their reasons for wanting to release this thing on amazon which is you know it would pay decent money to kind of recoup them for this weird little project they wanted to do where they wanted to make kind of a childish gambino video it's kind of like a, a you know, kind of package of videos and songs and partly like a City of God-influenced thriller and also because, you know, they wanted as many people as possible to see it and uh, putting it on Prime for free seemed like to them a good way to to do that. And then from Amazon's point of view, it's obviously a, a good way for them to get good press around Prime as a streaming service and to maybe entice people, particularly, you know, younger people, to maybe sign up to see the other stuff that they that they do you and i both watched guava island what did you think of it as as a movie and what do you think do you think this is the sort of thing that maybe could convince people that it's worth shelling out to join up for for prime and and you know th- does this strike you as kind of an interesting
1: idea that might work in the future mm, it's interesting that they thought that might get the kids into mm-hmm. Amazon Prime, like they're thinking, well, if you like this, you're going to love Bosch or uh, you know, <laughs> whatever, like all the other kind of documentaries about, like, Man City and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting because it's a kind of a weird three- or four-way collaboration. Like, it, it was streamed on Coachella's YouTube channel first for mm-hmm. free and then on Prime for free... For a limited time. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, because I thought I was on the clock. So I watched it like at 1 a.m. last night. I was exhausted. I Um, had the exact same thing. I started watching it thinking,
0: oh, no, no, this is for some reason I got into my head that it was only going to be available for 18 hours, which to me seemed like way cooler than it's going to be free for 18 hours and then it's going to be a Prime exclusive. it's still, still a, a kind of a cool thing to do it that way in an interesting way of kind of like handling it, but yeah, it was mm. it was less cool than being like, hey, this is your one chance to watch this, other than like I don't know, in MoMA or something.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like the kind of they're trying to Snapchat movies, like you know, they make a, make a movie <laughs> and they release it for eighty hours and they throw the reels in the dustbin and set them on fire. Maybe that's the thing for today's you know limited attention span audiences. I really liked Guava Island, but I felt. I said this to you before, like kind of we went on, it it just felt a little bit like it fell between two stalls. It didn't mm. feel substantial enough to be a movie, but it felt way kind of too developed to be just a series of promos loosely strung together. There was a coherent story there that was pretty interesting for me. Like, I don't know if they shot it on like 16 mil or whatever, but they certainly, you know, made it look like it was if they didn't. And it had this kind of like scuzzy, uh, harder they come style vibe. Um, mm. I think is it is it. I know it's definitely shot in Cuba, but is it kind of, del- is it named that it's set in Cuba? I can't remember, but...
0: Uh, I think it, the idea is that it's on like a fictional
1: place called Guava. Guava, yeah. It just, yeah, uh, yeah. which, yeah, there's kind of like Caribbean island where the character plays, is it Den- Denny is his name? Uh, yep. The character played by Donald Glover is a kind of urchin and musician <laughs> who kind of just like freewheels around this kind of Caribbean town and you know to, in the build up to a, a music festival and it's if nothing else kind of confirms that Donald Glover and the the Atlanta Brain Trust are just you know continually doing interesting things you know the least interesting thing he's done is play Lando Calrissian mm-hmm. in a Star Wars movie that is he doesn't really do boring stuff although oh, he's in The Lion King isn't he so I think that we're, well, we'll see how that one pans out but yeah mm. I kind of wished it was longer and I kind of wanted to spend a bit more time in that world and see what the characters that were kind of uh, set up uh, played by Rihanna and uh, Letitia Wright that didn't really go anywhere there was so much more that could have been in that and just kind of I was a bit curious as to why it was just an hour I don't know whether it was just a budgetary thing or like a time thing but yeah I wanted to see more of it but yeah like you say an interesting way to drop something like that Mm,
0: yeah, I think lengthwise, I think it it kind of just it seems more like it it about fits the length of the story they wanted to tell, and like they they maybe just weren't interested in kind of developing some of the other characters. Like I really did feel they they undersold Rihanna and uh, Letitia Wright, uh, Rihanna especially, just because like she is she's a more significant part of the story as Denny's girlfriend, uh, Kofi, but who it's kind of like basically she's like his his partner in kind of organizing the music festival as well that's being put on and like there's this powerful like gangster on the island who wants them to not put on the festival and puts a hit out on denny's life and everything and so she she feels like she should be like a very central part of everything that's going on but for the most part she is just called upon to look on him uh, adoringly when he's being kind of like a, a corny weirdo and dancing around to summertime magic or be kind of like pensive and worried <laughs> and mm-hmm. it kind of feels like you know like obviously rihanna hasn't got a huge amount of, of work behind her as an actress but she's got tremendous uh screen presence she's someone who's kind of very captivating on screen and you kind of feel like this maybe would have been a good opportunity for her to maybe try more things and instead it feels like they just kept asking less and less of her and I kind of spent a lot of the thing, even though I didn't like, like you enjoy it, um, particularly in terms of how it's in conversation with a lot of the other work that Donald Glover and co have been doing, you know, like there's a bit in the middle where they how they have him perform this is America in a factory where the thrum of the machinery kind of serves as the baseline for the song, which is very interesting. And they, they recontextualize the idea of, the, of this is America to be specifically saying like, America is almost a concept that exemplifies exploitation essentially like any any place where the rich and powerful are exploiting the work of the the poor and the weak that's america and like i think that's like a very startling way of recontextualizing something that you know was was kind of you know, the original this is american music video was powerful but it was also very deliberately obtuse in some ways as to what it was trying to say so to have something that more specifically says what that song is about or what it could be interpreted as was was really interesting i felt for like the most part when i was watching it it would be really interesting if rihanna was the lead in this if she was the denny character and like that i think would throw up uh, a lot more kind of interesting tensions and subtext to what was going on but but you know I did I did enjoy it and I you know the songs in it are, are good it just kind of like, like I say, it kind of felt both too substantial and not substantial enough for what it was trying to do
1: mm yeah and and the thing is there is an audience for it mm um, yeah. I don't know whether I don't know whether it's just something that like the glovers kind of tossed off between other projects that take more time or whether mm. they just thought it would be, you know, they've got that many ideas that they can just do something that's kind of like, oh, you know, knock out an hour-long film and, and you know, move on to the next thing. But I do think that, like, you know, that's a film that could have been enjoyed as a movie rather than a novelty.
0: Yeah, and I and I do think that how effective it is or not in kind of making people sign up for for Amazon is, uh, you know, kind of to be determined at this point. I personally don't necessarily think it's the best way to do that because it's not like it's it is kind of like a weird interesting distraction from people who do kind of whose day jobs are doing other things mm-hmm. so like that maybe isn't like the thing that will kind of compel millions of more people to to sign up for amazon prime but it, it strikes me as like a really interesting model for kind of really getting people interested to see to 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 maybe sign up for a service like I could really see Netflix would never ever do this because uh, it's it's kind of they they want everything everyone has to sign up for a thing before they can watch a thing on it. But I could really see it being a huge deal if like Netflix did that with The Irishman, if they mm. made The Irishman available for three through other channels and through just you know going onto the Netflix website for a short window of time before it you know kind of went behind
1: the paywall or whatever. Mm. Um, I mean, in, in addition to you say they wouldn't like, do it, but but they do have month trials, like mm-hmm. free trials, and you know people do hop on those for as long as they can with different email addresses. So they yeah. do let you have a little peek at the ankle first. Yeah, but if there still is that sense of like having to
0: sign up for a thing and to kind of like go through the rig and roll of that, as mm. opposed to Stick just being YouTube. like, yeah, here, here's you know you can watch this thing on YouTube. Uh, Which is like, I I do feel like there is, if only psychologically, kind of like a fairly big difference between those two things. And, you know, probably there's probably a massive like uh, legal and technical stuff behind the service that makes the difference between those like massively complicated. Mm, Yeah, fair. But yeah, I I think it's, it was a real kind of interesting thing seeing that happen this week specifically. Obviously it's tied to Coachella, but it's interesting seeing like that happen this week when we had like, like a huge uh, streaming service story happening as well, which we'll get onto in a moment. But the other kind of like, I guess, the medium story to go kind of, I guess, for, you know, kind of a a three bears kind of uh, ordering of our stories, kind of like the medium story for this week, I guess, was the launch of the Criterion channel, which is the spin spin off of the criterion collection sort of a successor to filmstruck the uh tv service the the streaming service from tcm and criterion which uh closed down late last year and yeah, was much mourned by film fans because it was a great service that had a huge great selection of, of wonderful movies from that that weren't being you know weren't streamable anywhere else and criterion have kind of gone their own on this one and i've been playing around with it i i had signed up as a charter subscriber when they announced they were going to launch it because you got a sl- a lower price which i was very happy about but mm-hmm. also because you know i loved filmstruck i loved having access to all of these movies that i had wanted to see and even though uh, i didn't use it as much as i probably should it was still a kind of a great resource to be able to like fill in gaps in my knowledge of kurosawa and uh, ozu and things like that so it was great being able to to fire that service up again and just kind of uh, enjoy all the stuff that they they have to offer it's not that the, there are still some kind of like technical things of it which aren't as good as filmstruck films had a really robust browsing and searching feature that allowed you to kind of like search by country and decade and director which this one uh, doesn't currently but uh fortunately someone just set up a External site that uh, people have been kind of sharing on online, which you can just go to and that does all that stuff for you anyway. So if you want to find out how many Godard films are on there, there's like a really simple website that someone set up that allows you to filter for that sort of stuff. So that's uh, that's very cool and and you know sort by country and things like that, which is really really handy certainly for me as someone who's trying to watch like 52 movies from india this year being able to mm-hmm. go oh they have 16 Satyajit ray movies great that's gonna really help me uh, kind of meet that target but yeah i've I've really enjoyed trying out that service since it launched
1: on monday mm. when's it drop over here do you know outside of north america if it does at all uh i'm not sure i presume it's probably going
0: to hit the uk at some point because obviously the criterion expanded into the uk last year with putting out editions of their films over there but as far as i'm aware they haven't reached they haven't announced that they're releasing in the uk but i, I would imagine that it will happen at some point uh it's probably mm. just a case of as as ever with kind of streaming services it's a thing of uh getting the rights to the movies and you know, sometimes the rights in America are held by different people to international rights and things like that. But hopefully it'll hit there because currently the selection in the US is like 1500 movies, which is not uh, a huge amount compared to like some streaming services. But the movies they have are like of a great selection. And, and also in terms of like, you know, older movies, it's nice to have a streaming service that has literally hundreds of of movies made like pre-1960 available whenever you want from all over the world as opposed to you know as everyone says about netflix seven or whatever (laughs) like uh, the pre-1960 movies they currently have
1: yeah i mean that's and that's where um streaming services as they exist are really dropping the ball Mm. that you know they are not supporting old stuff because you know from their point of view why would they you know they're yeah. not going to make any new money off it. It costs them to hold the license or whatever. But it's the—I mean, you mentioned your film challenge. It's really important to my film challenge. I've got mm. to watch some old films, dude, and I can't find any anywhere. It's yeah, tough. I'm gonna have to get my DVDs out. Can you imagine? <sighs>
0: Dreadful. And that—that's the thing. Like it, that has only really been a case over the last like couple of years. Because I remember when i first moved to the or maybe not when i first moved to the us but like when i started coming over to visit my parents over here and they had got netflix streaming i was I just like bowled over by the choice of older movies and international movies that they had at the time because they had like bought all of those old libraries or they were renting and licensing those old libraries from studios for pennies because they didn't see any value in them and you could like watch they used to have a huge selection of, like, old silent movies there. I watched a lot of, like... Uh, I watched um, Fritz Langer's Dr. Mabuse, The Gambler, all four mm. hours of it on Netflix. And they had, like, all of these, like, really wonderful and strange and obscure older movies and international movies. And that just all completely disappeared, like, th- four or five years ago, maybe. It was real sudden and shocking that, you know, all these movies just, like, completely disappeared and Netflix very much committed themselves to uh, the original content game and not spending too much money to license other people's stuff if they could avoid it Mm. unless it's friends or you know something that kind of where it's too much of a marquee name for them not to have it you know Mm. but that means they're not gonna have obscure brian De Palma movies or whatever that you can you can check out
1: Mm. i think maybe that's the next thing you need to go into they need to make their own old movies (laughs) <laughs> i mean yeah. it makes sense it's the next logical step yeah get some
0: deep fakes in there and <laughs> finally make awesome wells's version of heart of darkness
1: mm, yeah yeah there's probably enough offcuts from like those uh bird's eye peas commercials <laughs> string something together with yeah it's kind of like
0: ah the horror
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's real it was a real shame that there are that that older movies or genre movies are now being kind of confined to niches in that way and like criterion is probably in a reasonably good place because they have they're such an established brand at this point and they're they have such a cachet amongst you know your cinephiles that they can probably hopefully survive longer than Filmstruck did because there isn't quite that same level of expectation mm-hmm. that that was on that because i do feel like that is such a valuable resource to be able to watch a load of Noir movies that Columbia put out in the 30s that are are some of which are you know kind of like known but most of which no one has really ever heard of and exposing them to a whole new generation and you know like I say being able to watch almost every Kurosawa movie uh, on streaming is like having that available is kind of incredible and amazing uh and that that has become i think that's one of the things i'm going to try and do in addition to the watching 52 movies from india i'm going to try and fill in like the gaps in the cuz i think there's only like 10 kurosawa movies i haven't seen and seven or eight of them are on the criterion channel so i think that's going to be my side my side uh, goal for the year to try and watch those because uh yeah it's like it's nice to have that resource again and i think i really I oh, yeah, and as as amongst others, kind of real bu- really bungled that by not taking advantage of
1: Filmstruck when it was around. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually would genuinely kill for something like that to turn up, and they can take my money as far as they're concerned if they do launch it in England. Because yeah, good service. Mm. And the 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 last of the b of the the streaming stories, and this is
0: probably the largest one. Is the news coming out of Disney Celebration about Disney Plus? Now, Disney Celebration had a lot of other things going on. Obviously, they had they were talking a lot about Star Wars Ep- Episode Nine, which now we know is called Rise of Skywalker. Which eh, it's not, mm. not 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 the the most for me not the most exciting title. Like it kind of feels a little bit we need a title it's five o'clock on the friday before celebration starts like it doesn't necessarily have uh the most kind of the ring of poetry to it or whatever Mm. but uh you know it's it's perfectly perfectly functional there have been worse titles for star wars movies like Mm. the force awakens just on a basic level is not a great title for a movie it's like in terms of like what does that even mean but you know like uh the, the the trailer for it looked cool uh, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how that whole saga wraps up. And you know, they talked about how there's going to be a hiatus of Star Wars theatrical releases for a while, which is weirdly exciting because, like, I really do feel as if the the Star Wars movie a year pace that they've been running at has not been great for the Star Wars brand in some respects. I mean, all but one of them have been very, very successful, but like the fact that the solo movie couldn't really sustain interest in the way that the others did probably suggests that you know they are making star wars less special by releasing them every year and maybe taking a little bit of a break and allowing people to miss the franchise at least in theaters for a for a year or two probably makes sense
1: hmm yeah and yeah so this was announced in the investors call that happened actually before Star Wars celebration uh, kicked mm-hmm. into gear, and they kind of unveiled Disney Plus a whole bunch of details that we didn't know, a whole bunch of details that we've had confirmed, and also like some little tidbits about you know the Star Wars franchise, like that they are taking hiatus, and they confirmed today Kathy Kennedy at Star Wars celebration that the two trilogies that are being taken forward by the Game of Thrones people and uh, Ryan Johnson are actually being developed concurrently. Uh, which mm-hmm. means that they are in some way tied together rather than kind of independent, which is an interesting thing to do. But I agree with you, Ed. I'm, I'm for one, I'm very glad that they're not just churning them out year on year. I think Solo, you know, as much as you want to like it, is is not particularly interesting or good. Uh, it's just what the films would become uh, if we had them every year. Uh, they would mm-hmm. become kind of insipid, just kind of going through the motions, which is unfortunately what, Han Solo, the Han Solo movie is in its worst uh, kind of uh, uh, kind of excesses, I guess. I mean, some of it's fine, yeah. So I'm kind of glad that's happening. But the the kind of the big revelations about Disney Plus, which is you know just the sheer volume of content they're having, a lot of the content that was being developed by is it Fox 2000? Is that the kind of the mm. off wing of Fox, which yeah. is now suddenly on Disney Plus because in the merger that had to shut down, uh, costing you know hundreds of jobs. Uh, And now all those projects have been kind of like assimilated into the Disney Plus entity. But the other thing that was really surprising was just how cheap it is. So it is undercut Netflix and Prime by a couple of Mm -hmm. dollars a month, which is, you know, a real gauntlet to throw down. Yeah, especially
0: for the amount of stuff that they have, because they have such a huge... Like, this is the thing that we were kind of talking about a few weeks ago, about like Apple's kind of problem i guess with its streaming service like not only were they launching you know kind of like trying to make big fanfare but not having anything to show for it in terms of footage which is kind of the thing that drives clicks and gets people excited but they also like don't have a huge amount of established stuff to lure people in we that we joked about you know they they should have just like bought into the season of supernatural because mm-hmm. then at least they could get some people in who like supernatural but that, that literally is like a huge, the important building block of a streaming service of being able to say hey we have the thing you like mm-hmm. you know this is how you get to see it or how to see new episodes of it you know come come on down and i think that one of the things with you know that, that disney have like a huge feather in its cap thanks to the fox merger is it's going to be the exclusive home of the simpsons like Mm -hmm. the simpsons is going to stream exclusively via disney plus and having previously been on uh simpsons world i think was the name of the service that they had for that and like that really does that does make a pretty big difference because you then have all those people who were watching it via that service being like oh i can just get access to the simpsons and all of these old classic disney movies that are going to be available at the touch of the button and all these like new originals that they're going to be putting out and also you know a fairly manageable number of originals which i think is kind of uh, an important thing for a streaming service particularly if you want to stand out from netflix where you know netflix is the advantage of netflix in some regards is that they just put out so much stuff so it's kind of easier for people to get things made now but also it's easier for things to just get lost in the content slurry that netflix inevitably becomes if you're only putting out like in your first year 10 original movies which i think is what they've got planned and 30 something original tv series like that's a reasonable amount for people to feel like they're keeping up with what Disney is doing, but also feeling like, oh, that's like a, a reasonable stuff for people to expect and feel like they're getting their money's worth if they're spending seven dollars a month or whatever.
1: Mm. It is pretty cheap, uh, you know. Do you think they're just putting down a marker? Because I know that Netflix has recently gone up, um, mm. like quite considerably. Uh, kind of, I think it's pushing ten pounds a month now, uh, which mm. was like five pounds when I signed up to it originally. But yeah, it's yeah, it's quite a move.
0: Yeah, I think that's about what Hulu launched with. I remember when Hulu first started, I think it was like the, the ad-free version was about 6 or $7 a month, and now it's like $11 a month. But uh, yeah, I think it's definitely like a, this is the first year we want to try and get as many people on poss- as possible on board. But they'll probably keep it fairly low for a long time just because Disney is such a huge entity at this point that they can they can stomach it if they're making a loss on it which mm-hmm. i think they probably will initially just because that seems to be how s- streaming services work and unlike netflix who just have bottomless amounts of corporate debt uh disney i guess you know as it has often been their way they will have different parts of the company that are able to kind of like subsidize all the other stuff if something is being launched and is initially making a loss but if as they plan you know they can get 100 million people to sign up within the first couple of years then that's pr- you know they that will probably turn a profit at some point especially if they don't go absolutely hog
1: wild with the original stuff mm. and, and let's not forget I think when I saw the the kind of the release schedule and you know the, the the kind of docket of what they were putting out the idea as soon as they said oh yeah we've got like I think it was 500 plus no five thousand or one thousand a lot Episodes of television. I was like, where are they getting all those from? And then I was like, well, hang on, they've, they've like Disney XD, Disney Channel, these streaming services, these uh, sorry, cable channels have been in existence for years, and it's just got mm. all of that stuff just built into it. And those things have got an audience. Things streaming uh, services are used by so many people for their kids, and the you know, yeah. kind of like you know, we were raised by TV, we were no different, but like you know, kids will just have. Uh, you know, something put on for them on repeat and just, you know, kind of stream through a bunch of episodes. So having all of that on there is, you know, a pretty big deal, I think. What Mm. did surprise me is that I was under the impression, and I think this is probably because a lot of it was just based on hearsay and things, that they would have pretty much all of their library kind of available, the Disney library, the animated classics, maybe the live-action stuff, the Pixar Mm. stuff. But that is not the case. So the case is it, it will be like the old days of video and you know DVD to a lesser extent where Disney will have certain things and then they will rotate them round so in the you know in the days of like video and 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 DVD and stuff they would release stuff let it be available for a few years and delete it then release a platinum edition mm-hmm. like a year later with a couple of extra bells and whistles on it and you know so they make their money um but yeah it it's it's an interesting development and the 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 streaming wars as you know they are kind of called very lightheartedly are are pretty much set to become just that, I feel. Mm. Because it seems to be like a real space race type trying to kind of outdo each other in a very short amount of time. And, you know, I made a joke about it a couple of weeks ago that they've essentially reinvented cable television, but, you know, making it less accessible and more expensive. Mm -hmm. And we're falling over ourselves for it. And they are also essentially recreating
0: or reinventing the monopoly system that existed prior to, you know, US versus Paramount. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but instead of owning, uh, instead of owning movie theatres, they own a streaming service. <laughs> they control all of the stuff that goes on. And, like, this is kind of maybe an example of uh, technology outstripping laws in that you allow a company to have uh, a complete monopoly over people having access to the stuff that they... Put out the the difference, I guess, being here that you know people can can opt out of not signing up for Disney Plus fairly easily in a way that maybe wasn't the case when like movie theaters were pretty much the only form of mass entertainment available. Like yeah, you know, there's like I get I guess the power of a streaming monopoly is not quite as as big as the monopolies that you saw in the early part of the twentieth century between studios and theaters, but. It does really feel as if yeah, they they found a way to circumvent that ruling by the fact that technology is, has moved to this place, and it does kind of point to something we've seen happening more and more over the last kind of couple of years. You, you know, like I was saying about Netflix getting rid of most of their movies because they didn't own the rights to them, losing a lot of big TV shows like to to other streaming services because they didn't want to pay the licensing fees for them. It, it is uh, increasingly moving to a place where we're moving from a place where streaming services kind of are kind of a, a mass of different shows all kind of like being traded around and all being owned by different people, it's them just being monopolies that own just their own content. And then if that's how it kind of goes, and if we're kind of like looking at the future and trying to gauge where this is going, that probably doesn't end well for Netflix if it's them fighting Disney, because Netflix have at most 10 years of kind of audience goodwill behind their back and disney have 80 something (laughs) like if you if you were to say oh who has the strongest possible brand for you know kind of converting that loyalty into people signing up for exclusive access to see their stuff then the company that kind of really shaped and informed a lot of people's childhoods through their own original stuff and who now own star wars is probably in a very strong position
1: Mm, yeah you would say so
0: uh, and especially if they also because they also have you know all their ABC shows, so all your Home Improvement fans going to be well catered to. Oh,
1: oh, 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 oh. <laughs> that's a reference from Home Improvement, everybody—a uh, mm-hmm. show that I scarcely believe exists. Yeah, I, I literally listened to an old episode of my brother, and my brother and me the other day, where they were just discussing <laughs> how weird that show is. Yeah,
0: how one of the recurring jokes was that you couldn't see a character's body, <laughs> mm. <laughs> or you couldn't see his whole face.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's a pretty bad show, that. But it was, it was, it was, it was ubiquitous growing up. It was always like Mm. on Channel 4 or something, like uh, in that kind of what's now the Simpsons slot, like six, well, not anymore, as soon Mm. as Disney Plus uh, uh, arrives. Yeah, and always just like, is this popular because people like DIY? Because Tim Allison (laughs) isn't funny. Hmm. Yeah.
0: And uh, I always found it really weird. A, I found it really weird that like one of the guys who was in the band was in it in a recurring role. Like that was weird, but um. So, sorry, what, what was that? It wasn't one of the guys who played in the band. Like, like the, there was like a guy there who was. I'll
1: have to look it up. I'm pretty sure. I mean, it, don't play with my heart here. That's my favorite band. Are you going to tell me that? Tell me that Rick Rick Danko was in it or something? That would just like kill me.
0: I remember one episode had the Beach Boys in it as um uh, as Wilson's cousins because obviously, they are. I see. I see what they did there okay so it was a guy called mickey jones maybe he wasn't in the band he was a drummer he backed he did play with bob dylan on his 1966 world tour so i'd conflated him for thinking that he was in the band but no
1: right okay well don't do that again
0: into, sorry I'm sorry <laughs> to sorry to upset you so so terribly but but it was like it was very very popular and obviously like but yeah like disney have just a, a massive library of stuff that they can draw upon and put onto that streaming service that you know they can a- appeal to as broad a demographic of people as as netflix are able to and it'll be mm-hmm. yeah i think although i think the the notion of there being a quote-unquote netflix killer out there probably other than like someone who actually kills people and like carves mm-hmm. dialogue from house of cards into their bodies but like the idea of a, a, an app that can come around that can genuinely unseat netflix as like or even kind of like run them out of business, um, is perhaps overblown, and that maybe we'll just be in a situation where there's a bunch of big monopolies that exist kind of concurrently because people are willing to you know spend ten dollars for three services and have them running at the same time, and end up with like a bill of like forty or fifty dollars, which is about which is still probably cheaper than what you would get for cable. I think that of the the if if there is anything that's going to do it, like Disney Plus seems like the strongest candidate in that regard certainly over the uh, apple tv which like i said like we talked about seemed fairly unimpressive in its its debut and doesn't have that bedrock of established shows or movies that they can draw upon for a library which is like really underrated as like an important thing for allowing a
1: a, a, a network to to blossom mm, yeah i think if you're going to open a pie shop right it's it's probably you're probably going to like be better suited to opening a pie shop if you have your fingers in a lot of pies, and Disney have got their little grubby fingers in lots and lots of pies. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think there's some health and stasty problems with those uh, with that metaphor.
1: It's an EHO nightmare. <laughs> uh, that's all I'll say.
0: Do you think that you'll end up signing up for Disney Plus if only to check it out, if only to watch The Mandalorian?
1: Uh, I I will definitely sign up to uh, Disney Plus to watch The Mandalorian. Yeah, most likely, because, you know, that's an exciting show with lots of exciting people involved. And some of the footage that's coming out of Celebration makes it look pretty cool. And, you know, Disney are like a little independent company. They could do with a few bucks being chucked their way. So, you Mm. know, my eight pounds or whatever it is a month uh, could go on the stack. But all kind of snarkiness aside, there is a lot of good content on there that will disappear from other streaming networks and mm. I am being slowly sucked into what you knew was going to happen and yeah. the, all, the, all the subscriptions that I'm currently paying for are just about, because I mean I've got Prime I've got Netflix, I've got Now TV right, and they yeah. all got Disney content on them mm-hmm. so they will be made worse and then I will buy another subscription to yeah. access the stuff <laughs> I've just lost access to and, you know, I'm doing it knowingly. Why that is, who knows? There probably is a deep underlying reason. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, I, I will definitely, for the Mandalorian and the Cassian Andor thing next year, uh, when that comes out, uh, I think that as a platform, it's a good place for some of the stuff they're doing with Marvel. Because uh, mm. in addition to stuff they're doing, like they're doing a Hawkeye spin-off, but it's with him handing over the kind of Hawkeye persona to his daughter, Yeah, uh, which in the comics I always liked. I always liked Hawkeye, who was my favorite. But in my, the films, he's like the least interesting.
0: New hair, though. Yeah, it's got new, new hair
1: and a, and a full sleeve arm tattoo. I think if you look close, it just says midlife crisis on it. Um, <laughs> but also they've got, I don't know if you, they've been making a documentary about the Marvel MCU for like the last... 12 years or something and Mm. that's going to be a big kind of series um so i think there'll be enough in there to justify subscription i think but whether i need another subscription no i do not but yeah i'm I'm getting to the point now where like my monthly outgoing on kind of like subscription services including like my cinema pass and everything is about 80 quid wow (laughs) which is no chump change but you know you gotta do something with your money i could be spending Mm. that on crack (laughs) or toys for your dog or toys for my dog, or crack for my dog. Um, but yeah, it's like it's not. Yeah, I'm. I am paying more for content than I ever have, but I am like absorbing more content than I ever have.
0: Mm. Yeah, I was kind of thinking it. It does feel a little bit like highway robbery, but in the sense that the robbery is being signposted like 10 miles away <laughs> <laughs> and every mile you're getting a new marker being yeah. like uh in in nine miles uh you gonna have to sign up for a new service in eight miles and that i think that does kind of feel the case with something like disney plus which i don't imagine i will sign up for uh unless like the reviews for like the mandalorian are amazing and then i might just do the cheeky the cheeky one month sign up just to watch it but, like, for the most part, like, it doesn't seem, like, that essential to me at this point. Maybe if, like, in a couple of years' time, if I have kids or something, like, then that probably changes the uh, the calculus a little bit, uh, if only, because then it gives me an excuse to watch all of the Disney cartoons that I would want to watch anyway. But yeah, it, like, to me, it feels like something I want to resist <laughs> for a little while, at mm-hmm. least. Especially because, like, like the, the thing that otherwise would be compelling me to do that would be, like, The Simpsons, but... I've reached the point with The Simpsons where I've seen I've seen enough of it. <laughs> I don't feel like there was a time when I think I kept watching every episode that aired up until like the 400th episode. And since then, like so many have aired in the years since that I feel like there's not enough time to, to catch up with that when there's so much other stuff that I could be watching, hmm. which is a, is a shame because it's like one of my favorite TV shows of all time. But like, there's just so much. There's so much of it.
1: Maybe I could finally watch The Simpsons.
0: Yes. Oh, God. yeah, you set, yourself, set yourself six months of your life. Yeah, I've, I've
1: definitely seen the first four seasons because I owned those on DVD. Mm. And I've seen some episodes. But like, you know, people make references and I'm like, mm, yeah, I don't know what that is. I'm sorry. <laughs> and they're like, seriously? I'm like, mm, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I can't help you. I know with the monorail. Oh, oh, that was funny. But like, you good know, one. that is a good one, right? But after that, like, yeah, I just kind of lost all track of like what it was on and then you know like when is it's you know you don't have to watch it in order it's not the fucking wire but like <laughs> you know i was kind of you know just got spun around by the whole thing and kind of just like there was i saw an episode where like dolphins came on land i think it was a halloween special i hope it yeah. was anyway <laughs> it went really weird and then yeah but maybe i should because then maybe i could get involved in those conversations or like people will be making jokes behind my back and i'll finally get them
0: and you'll be able to go like haha yes yeah, a dental plan.
1: Mm. Or when someone says bring back Sheriff Lobo, I'll be like, uh, <laughs>
0: sure. I don't
1: get it. People say that. My friends say that all the time. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a very weird cut to just be shouting. At.
1: <laughs> well, they do it also, yeah. It they jump out joke, of bushes though? and scream at me. Yeah. Oh well, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is, Ed.
0: Uh but yeah, it certainly feels like a a a real behemoth that I'm terrified of. <laughs> Disney plus, mm. but uh, but also one that I think uh, I'll, I'll I'll hold off for a little while. I'll try to
1: yeah. Especially He'll because be they're day one. Yeah,
0: like because like again like the the Marvel stuff. I like the Marvel movies. I've seen all of them except in theaters, except for the Incredible Hulk. They're just very fun movies. Oh, and Ant Man. I didn't see Ant Man in theaters, which is which is a shame because it was like one of the ones they end up thinking, oh, that was really underrated. That's really fun. Like, I've never felt like the tremendous need to watch the spin-offs. Like I watched a couple of episodes of Agents of Shield and was like, Yeah, this is this is fine, but not something I can really care too much about. And I I, I enjoyed Agent Carter, but like the the and trying to entice me in by saying we have three original T V series based on supporting characters doesn't really make me kind of like jump from a wallet. And like mm. the Mandalorian as well like that has more like it has more people involved with it that I, I, I really like and find interesting and it you know the idea of expanding on the Star Wars lore just you know taps into like the 12 year old part of my brain that was like tearing through Timothy Zahn novels that you know like there's part of me is like oh it's really, it'd be really fun to see more Star Wars but yeah again I think just like the deluge of Star Wars we've had in the last couple of years makes me think it'd be nice to not have a bit of, have Star Wars for a while. like mm. it'd be nice if it became a thing that isn't just like constant in culture. and obviously that's that's never gonna happen at this point, Disney. You're got to keep making as much Star Wars stuff as possible until uh, until the seas rise and sw- swallow us all. But that is probably yeah, uh, like anything that allows me to maybe cut myself off from Star Wars for a goddamn minute is probably <laughs> worthwhile. and so for for that reason, I'll probably hold off on disney plus for at least a little while i'll 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 Mm. try not to be uh to fall into the into the sarlacc pit of disney original content
1: Mm. yeah yeah i mean at least for the first couple of weeks oh
0: yeah yeah (laughs) at least the first couple of weeks and then uh episode nine will come out and i'll be like oh i love star wars again uh, and the scales will fall from my eyes uh, and be replaced with a cool Kylo Ren mask that's been
1: <laughs> that's been
0: welded back together because fanboys were angry about The Last Jedi. I really hope that's, that's not the way it goes. I really hope that The Rise of Skywalker isn't like just J.J. being like, oh, all these bad faith arguments, all these arseholes online, we're just kind of like arguing about it, so I need to appease them all because they're not going to be happy either way. If Ray's yeah. still the hero, then there's no way they're going to be happy
1: hmm yeah yeah i think the only way that the, the kind of the jerks would be happy is if they just said well okay you can do it and here's an unlimited budget because, uh, and then it would be awful and mm. then they wouldn't like it yeah that's what will happen yeah so
0: let's, let's look look forward to that in 20 mm. that'll be the first film back in 2021 after they've taken a mm. year off just like the arsehole's cut of
1: the last jedi <laughs> Do you remember the um? Wasn't there like? Do you remember there was a a crowdfunder like to remake it? Mm, we I do yeah. It. yeah. that 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 yeah, that must be due out soon. <laughs> mm,
0: yeah, I don't I don't remember how that ended up. I, I presume uh, that they made all the money that they needed, and that it's going to be uh, dropping on LimeWire soon enough.
1: Yeah, well, they, they got their they got their um their funding, but I went on their website and I put my my like a fake email address in, mm-hmm. and then it said how much would you like to donate, and I put like fifteen thousand dollars or something like a stupid amount, and it was like thanks for your donation, <laughs> but it didn't ask for any details or anything. Mm-hmm. So you know, I feel partly responsible for funding it. Um, maybe that's it. Maybe they've been emailing that address. For ages, saying, where's our money? We really need to uh, do this Foley work on it. Uh, <laughs> and I've just been holding, holding it up by my uh, my shit posting.
0: That feels like a con, but that they're conning themselves. <laughs> like, they really haven't figured out that they need to get the details <laughs> to get the money. They just feel like, ah, we'll put up the website, and then the money will roll in.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it did. It, it got there pretty quickly. Most of the people doing that, that I did. Uh, <laughs> I <presume.
0: laughs> So we end this episode with Shot Reverse Shot Recommends, which we talk about a piece of culture that we've enjoyed and we think you will enjoy as well. Matt, what have you got to recommend for the listeners this week?
1: Yeah, I'm going to recommend uh, a little film I saw this week not knowing anything about, or actually I had very kind of um, misinformed opinions about because I confused it with another film. I'm going to recommend the film Hotel Artemis, kind of a a sci-fi thriller from last year that I had confused with the film Bad Times at the El Royale, which Mm. also sounds like it's a hotel and everyone told me was... Pretty bad. So I expected this to be pretty bad. I just put it on and ended up finding it quite an absorbing little watch. It is, a, uh, like I said, a sci-fi thriller set, kind of like a couple of decades in the future. Um, and, you know, kind of L.A. is, is, is kind of eating itself in kind of like these kind of violent riots. And the action is all kind of set in one hotel, the titular Hotel Artemis, which is a closed down kind of hotel for guests. But it's actually uh, owned by and supported by the Criminal Fraternity of Los Angeles in the future. And it's where you go if you, you know, kind of do yourself a mischief doing a, a legal activity. Jodie Foster runs it. She's the uh, the person who um, administers the medical attention. And her guests for the night include people like Sterling K. Brown and Charlie Day and uh, Jeff Goldblum, uh, Sophia Batella. Uh, it's got a really good cast. Jenny Slate's in it. Zachary Quinto. Yeah, it's it's a film that I didn't think what I would enjoy, and I just kind of put on to, to kind of occupy myself for two hours and ended up thoroughly enjoying. Uh, there's a lot of good ideas in there. There's a lot of familiar tropes you see. Uh, pretty nicely subverted, Uh, the action's very tight, Uh, it looks pretty cool, and, yeah, I mean, it's not going to change your life, but you will um, very much enjoy it for its runtime. I would recommend that this week. It's on, I'm going to say, Now TV in the UK. Um, Check it out there.
0: Cool. I'm going to recommend a movie that I saw on the Criterion channel, the aforementioned Criterion channel, which I... Uh, knew next to nothing about and then came away really really impressed by which is uh, Sasha Jit Ray's The Coward which is a short sharp 70 minute kind of psychological drama about a screenwriter whose car breaks down when he's in the middle of nowhere on on the way to uh, to research a movie that he's writing a kind of good Samaritan offers to put him up for the night and takes him back to his house when he gets there he realizes that the man is married to the woman that he was in love with years and years before and the movie kind of becomes this kind of slow investigation of what happened to their relationship which is explored through kind of a series of nested flashbacks which are all uh, really really well done and also you know this real feverish uncertain drama in the present of like you know will these two you know, kind of, like, run off together? Uh, You know, will some something violent happen? A friend of the show, uh, Noel Fingval, described it as the closest film to a noir he's ever seen that isn't actually a noir, because, like, it doesn't really have any of the tropes you would associate, you know, there's no real crime or anything going on. It's just, like, a, a drama about a bunch of people being put into close proximity, and uh, two of them have a secret, and the question of how that secret is going to manifest itself and i thought it was uh, absolutely brilliant it's beautiful to look at it's got kind of great characters and great performances it has this just this real wonderful tension going on underneath it all where you really don't know how it's going to resolve itself until literally until like the very last scene of the movie and i found that to be really, really thrilling it's on the criterion channel and is absolutely worth uh, watching as a you know, kind of like a movie from a great filmmaker that's maybe not one of his his best known. So if people have access to that channel or if they can find it elsewhere, they really, really should check it out. That is Sasha Ray's The Coward. Mm. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, then please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Spotify, PlayerFM, all the usual places. Leave us a review, rate us, and recommend us to your friends. It's the best way to help us grow our audience. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook, where we're at SRS underscore podcast. We'll be back next week with something entirely different, but until then, it's goodbye from me.
1: And goodbye from me.
0: And goodbye from me.